Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Today's Bible reading comes from Matthew, chapter 7, verses 1 to 12. Do not judge, or you will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be used to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Ollie. Good morning, everyone. Great to be with you this morning. Um, As I set up, one other thing uh, that we wanted to share with you earlier this week. um, We, as as a, who was in this meeting? pastors and various staff. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. But we were talking about Mission May. Something we're very excited uh, coming up is the month of May, we are setting apart to really focus on God's mission. What does that mean for us? What does that mean for the world? What does that mean for the church? And uh, we just want to share that and like, uh, yeah, get you thinking about that. Not that we only think about missions in May. Um, That wouldn't be a good thing. But uh, that's a time for a particular focus. And also, at the end of May or throughout, throughout that month, we'll be um, raising money to, for our mission partners. Uh, so just to yeah, give you a bit of a heads up about that. Um, last week, uh, we heard uh, Tim Patrick speak on um, uh, transformed ambition. He spoke about money. It was very challenging, a topic we don't like talking about. And a great, uh, here's a little um, tip if you want to be a pastor and you're leading a church and you want to talk about money, invite someone else to do it. (laughs) And they could face things like, you should give more money to the church. Um, (laughs) But today we're we're talking about another topic that we don't really like talking about, and that's conflict. We don't like talking about conflict. We don't like dealing with conflict. We're just not very good at it, are we, as a society? We're so self-focused, yet so not self-aware as a culture. 
particularly in the West, but I think universally, we're not very good at uh, evaluating our own part in conflict. We're not very good at uh, holding other people to account. We're not good at personal reflection. We're not good at personal accountability, personal responsibility, personal humility. And so that's what we're going to be tackling today. And uh, we're going to be pushed a bit. Last week was challenging. If you haven't heard it, great to listen to. It was a very challenging message. Today's going to be challenging as well. So just putting it out there. And gosh, it was <laughs> challenging for me. Um, today's passage is some of the best known verses out there. Uh, like the Sermon on the Mount has heaps of phrase and phrases and, and sayings that are just universally known. So we've, we've read some of What are some of the best known phrases, uh, sayings? in the Sermon on the Mount. Let's hear some of them. We've heard them. Blessed are the meek. Very well known. What else? What have we just heard and read? It's not a true question. Do to others as you have them do unto you. Most people quote that in the King James Version. Um, What else do we hear? Judge not, lest ye be judged. Uh, Again, we tend to quote (laughs) the King James Version. Some of the best known verses, and yet some of the the hardest to apply and to understand. So that's the ambitious uh, task we have today. So let's think about where we've been. Like, what what is Jesus doing in this Sermon on the Mount? He's he's kind of portraying what does it mean to be part of God's kingdom. He's Jesus is kind of portrayed as the new and greater Moses to the Israelite people. The Sermon on the Mount, like reflecting the sermon that that uh, Moses did to the Israelite people. And here Jesus is doing a sermon to God's people. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? He started with the Beatitudes and that idea that we are blessed, not based on our merit, but based on God's grace. We are blessed. And, and out of that comes transformation. We're blessed to be a blessing. We're, we're called to be salt and light in the world. We're um, Uh, The fulfillment of all scriptures, the law and the prophets, is Jesus. He's the one that fulfills the requirement, the content, the the, the, the wholeness of scriptures. And uh, there's this great call. He says, uh, those who follow him, our righteousness needs to exceed that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And he's not talking about a more active or wider righteousness. He's talking about a deeper righteousness righteousness, righteousness, one that comes from the heart and works out. And we talked about, and Jesus talks about uh, what does that look like for the disciple, a transformed heart as, as, as we are saved by grace, as we're blessed by God, as the Spirit transforms us. What does that mean? It means transformed ethics, how we think about what we do and what is right, what is wrong, transformed religion, how we go about uh, living out and expressing our faith and devotion to God. Is it about us or is it about Him? Transformed ambitions. What do we do with our money? What do we worry about? And today we're talking about transformed relationships. How do we go about dealing with conflict? Now, the first verse uh, of today's passage in chapter 7, Jesus says, Uh, Judge not, do not judge, or you too will be judged. 
And again, this is one of the best known verses in the Bible. And we love to throw this around when other people are judging us. And if someone else judges me, it's like, whoa, whoa, stop. Judge not, lest ye be judged. How dare you judge me? Oh, of course, I'm judging that person for judging me. But, um, but the world applies this to the church as well. Like, I'm, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, but you've been in a setting where you've, you've made a comment or even just asked a question. It's not a judgment or a criticism, just asking a question. And um, like, are you really happy with that lifestyle? Are you sure you're okay with this? And then your Christian or non-Christian friend goes, oh, hold on, judge not lest you be judged. Have you experienced something like I have? It's like this, this phrase is thrown around to, to stop anyone uh, critiquing or challenging our own, um, ourselves, what we're protecting. But what is Jesus actually talking about? Because judging can mean many things. It can be testing someone against a moral standard. It can be... Um, uh, criticism. It could be talking about discernment. It could be talking about forming opinion about something. It could be judging a sports competition. So does that mean that uh, Christians can't be umpires? I don't think, which I'm confident that's not the case, that we can. Um, but we need to be really clear about what this verse doesn't mean, because Jesus says, don't judge, or you, for you too will be judged. But in other parts of Scripture, even in this same chapter, he says, judge false teachers by their fruit. So judgment in terms of discernment uh, is not what Jesus is talking about here. And Jesus also uh, talks about uh, being critical or bringing correction to someone. In Matthew 18, he talks about if someone's um, sinned against you, raise that with that person. And if, if, they, if they're not restored, then bring someone else. And there's a process for criticism. There's a process for correction. So Jesus is not talking about correction. I think um, what Jesus is talking about is not, not discernment, not evaluation, but condemnation. He's talking about judging and playing both judge and jury and condemning the person for what they've done to you or what they've done or how they're living or whatever. And it's, it's the dark side of, of judgment, of when someone does something that we don't approve of or something does, someone does something against, uh, against me, uh, it's killing them off in our, in our heads. Jesus always, already talks about this kind of stuff earlier in chapter 5, writing people up off, seeking their punishment rather than their restoration. But the reality is that we are not judge and jury uh, in this world. God is the judge. God is the judge who will judge all people. He's the one who determines right from wrong. He's the one who will call all people to account. And it's not our responsibility to administer justice. That's God's. 
And yet we do face situations where we're hurt. We do face situations where people uh, behave in ways that is contrary to God's law. We do face situations where judgment of some sort is required, is necessary. And, um, and what's interesting, I think, in this passage is Jesus says, don't judge or you too will be judged. But then he kind of does give a framework for how to judge. But he's not really talking about judging, judging for the sake of punishment, judging for the sake of uh, elevating ourselves and seeking our own judgment. He's talking about judgment for the sake of restoration, judgment for the sake of restoring uh, our brother or sister to right relationship. So it's not about resolving issues, but reconciling people, reconciling family. That's what Jesus is talking about here. So uh, I was going to call this talk, How to Be a Judgmental Christian, but I thought that might just be too confusing. So we're going to go with How to Not Be a Judgmental Christian. (laughs) How to Be a Restorative Christian, maybe that's the way. Reconciling Christian. Anyway. The first thing Jesus talks about how to, be, how to not be a judgmental Christian is personal accountability. Do I hold myself accountable to the same standards I judge others on? Jesus says, uh, for the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Often hear people say after preaching, uh, people come up to me and say, oh, that was such a great sermon. If only Frank was here to hear it. And listen, he really needed to hear that. And I think, did, did you hear it? <laughs> if anyone says that to me today, I'll, I will ask that question. We're always quick to apply things to others. We're very quick to recognize <laughs> the deficiency in others, but we're so slow to apply it to ourselves. What Jesus says here is, I think is quite clear that the judgment, the standard that we set for other people That's what you will be held accountable to. Now, what he doesn't mean is that if you have a really low standard for others, then God's got a really low standard for you. He's not saying that. But what he's doing is challenging us. Do we hold ourselves accountable to the same standard that we apply to others? Because it's it's so easy to measure others up. In, in, in a conflict, in a situation, or looking out to recognize, oh, that person is just not listening. Or that person doesn't, doesn't really understand what's really going on. Or that person's only telling a half-truth. That person is being selfish. But do we ask ourselves those same questions? Am I really listening? Do I really understand what's going on? Am I actually telling the whole truth? Am I being selfish? And if we, if we, if we don't do this, but if we, if we judge others and apply a standard to others, but not to ourselves, really what we're saying is we are above whatever standard we're setting. We're above God's law. We're above the other person that we're judging. It applies to them, but it doesn't apply to me. And that's just not true. Only God has the right to judge human beings, not you, not me, God alone. 
So before we jump to, to make judgments uh, about other people's behavior, about other people's attitudes, whatever, we've got to stop and reflect on our own behavior, our own attitudes, our own contribution. Do we apply the same standard to ourselves? Do we have personal accountability? And the next thing Jesus talks about is personal responsibility. Do I take responsibility for what I have done in a conflict? Jesus asks a question, he gives a scenario. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye. Then you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye. It's quite like quite an exaggerated scenario. And, and I think we all have heard this well. But to, to, to recognize an issue in someone else without first addressing our own issues, to try and step in and to correct, to help without first getting the log out of our own eye, can you imagine someone trying to get a speck out of someone's eye when they've got a gaping big log in their own, the damage they will cause on their brother on that, in that situation? They're blind. They're not in any position to, to bring correction, to, to, to help. It's just going to cause more damage. It's going to make things worse. Jesus' point is clear again. Take responsibility for your own stuff first. Uh, conflict is never one-sided. It's never one-sided. And it might be that, uh, you know, there's 95% responsibility on this side and only 5% of responsibility on our side. But what Jesus is saying was we have to take 100% responsibility of our 5%. Be real and be honest and take responsibility of that, to remove that before we go and correct the other. And, and know what the goal is here. The goal is not that we all just go off and sort ourselves out in isolation. Because Jesus says, first take the plank out and then you will see clearly so that you can help your brother with the speck. You can see clear to remove the speck of, out of your brother's eye. Again, the goal is not judgment and not removing of your own plank, but restoration, reconciliation, restored relationship. And the goal of, of healthy judgment, if we were to call it that, is not punishment, but restoration. And the next, then Jesus uh, moves on to another image. There's probably one of the most confusing verses in the Bible. Uh, I don't know what you thought when it was read out or if you've read it before. Jesus says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, then they may trample them underfoot and turn and tear you to pieces. This is very confusing. Jesus says, don't judge then he goes, calls people dogs and pigs. Right? <laughs> yeah. 
And um, and it's very controversial. There's there's um, a, a lot of different interpretations. And and I'm actually gonna, I actually fall uh, kind of away from a traditional. Uh, interpretation of this verse. Many think that this this verse, the pearls, the good things, uh, refer to the gospel. And the gospel, uh, don't just throw it to people who won't receive it. Uh, don't share the gospel with people who aren't ready to hear it. Um, that's, that's often an interpretation of this verse. And it might be right, but I just don't see how that fits in the context. And I also don't think that Jesus would say, don't share the gospel. Um, uh, now, Jesus is, is a very effective teacher, and he uses a lot of different techniques to teach his disciples. And a lot of those techniques were for the original audience, and a lot of those techniques are lost on a modern audience reading it 2,000 years later. But one, one technique he uses is hyperbole, exaggerated teaching. Like he talks about in, in chapter 5, cutting off your hands, gouging out your eyes. He's not talking literally, but he's talking very specifically and uh, kind of exaggerated to make a very important point. And, and the term dogs and pigs, now these were terms that were derogatory terms, like uh, insults used to describe Gentiles and, and people of other ethnicities, other religions. It was very to talk down to people. Used to talk down to people. And, and I, I think what Jesus is saying there is, if we have pearls of wisdom, if we have uh, holy things from God, corrections that we have to give to other people, and we're coming to critique or correct a brother or sister, if we have this attitude of coming of, I've got this pearl of wisdom to give to this dog, that is not the attitude that will bring restoration. If we, if we come to a conflict with this sense of superiority, that I'm right and they're wrong, uh, and, and just try and tell them this is the pearl wisdom, this is the truth, what will happen is they'll trample it under the foot. They won't respect what you have to say. Or they'll turn and attack you. They'll just make the conflict worse. I think what Jesus is talking about and trying to teach through exaggeration, through this kind of very controversial uh, saying and, and confronting phrase, is what's, what's our posture when we come to address a conflict, where we come to correct a brother or sister? And when it comes to correction and restoration, Jesus talk, talks about equalize, equalizing the playing field. It's not that... Here I am, the one who's right and superior, and I've got to come and correct this other person. Instead of playing judge and jury, you did this, you deserve this, you deserve that. This is who you are because of what you've done. It's not approaching like a judge and jury. It's approaching as a family member. After sorting yourself out, coming to your brother, your sister, your friend, and bringing gentle correction as an equal. And a helpful approach is, is not talking about them, but talking about yourself. When you did this, I felt hurt. Or I was, I was sad. I, was, I got angry when this happened. 
because it puts the emphasis on you, on, on, on how it's affected you, which is something that the other person can't deny. And it forces everyone to reflect on our own um, behavior, our own situation, what we've done uh, about the issue. Now, this, this approach is a humble approach and is focused not on the issue, but the people. It's not about judgment, but about restoration. And Jesus is saying is we need to humble ourselves. We need humility. We've talked to, humility seems to be the buzzword of the year, right? We all need humility. We love, we love to be humble, but no one likes being humbled, no one likes being humbled, but that's what we need to humble ourselves, to become lowly, to, to lower ourselves, to approach other people uh, as equals. And we'll come back to that at the end. And if you permit me to go a bit deeper and, and get a little bit more challenging here, I want to draw... Uh, um, What's, what's actually going on deeper in our hearts when, when we face conflicts, when we're judging other people? It's in, in, in a conflict, it's very easy to rewrite a, a narrative that puts us in the right and the others in the wrong to, to, to create a situation where we are superior, we've, we're wrong and everyone else is attacking us. It's, it's very easy and we all do it. Every one of us creates a narrative uh, to protect ourselves in a conflict. And um, just and, and with that, it's, it's very, very hard to see the other person's perspective. It's very hard to see. And of course, that's largely because there's a massive log in our eyes. There's things that we need to address in ourselves. And just to think about... Jesus' words there and the image there a little bit more because Jesus is always very intentional with the words that he uses and the images he uses. In chapter 6, Jesus says the eye is the lamp to the heart, to the desires of a human being. And if there's a log in our eye, it's talking about a problem with our desires, a problem with our heart. Uh, Jesus' uh, brother James, well, the, uh, the letter James is probably written by Jesus' brother James, or certainly James the Apostle. And he was probably there and heard this sermon. And he, um, he also talks about conflict. In James chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, I'll have it on the screen. He says, what, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. This is really challenging, isn't it? When what causes quarrels and fights and conflicts among us is conflicting desires. It's desires in ourselves that are not met. And um, a book uh, I... Um, big fan of and I've been referencing a lot in this series and talking a lot about in different settings is uh, The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy and uh, he um, started this whole movement of uh, peacemaking and peace-wise ministries which is a conflict resolution training. And I would throw out there is um, 
Knightsbridge Baptist are hosting PeaceWise training April 29th and May 1st, uh, so Saturday and Monday. Uh, so if you want to go deeper and be equipped uh, in conflict resolution, this is an excellent uh, course uh, to do. Uh, so if you're interested in that, come speak to me. I might follow up with an email during the week to share that. It's not, not cheap, but it's very worthwhile. But uh, Ken um, talks about uh, what contributes to, um, contributes to conflict. And his chapter uh, on getting the log out of your own eye, he talks about the idols that are deep in our hearts that we try to protect, that we, tr- that we sacrifice relationships for. And he talks about the, the slope of going from uh, having a desire to, to, that, to an offense, to a uh, conflict. He, he talks about um, uh, when there's a desire, I have a desire, there's something I want, there's something I need. Uh, and that desire moves to a demand. I demand for things to go this way. I demand to have this recognition. I demand whatever it is, this, this good thing that's becoming a, a God thing. And when that demand is not met, I judge. How dare that person not give what I deserve? Well, how dare that person behave in a way that, that is against what I say? And as we judge, we punish. And so... A conflict goes from having a desire not met, a desire that becomes a demand that we judge other people for not met meeting, and then we punish them. At its worst, conflict is the clash of idols, of desires that we have that are not being met, that we are making bigger than what they are. We're turning desires of good things into God things. And when they're not met, we, we punish people as the heart of unhealthy conflict. Now, you might say, but Nick, what about situations of, what if someone attacks me? What if there's an offense? It's not necessarily a, a, a mutual conflict. And of course, of course, we need to protect ourselves. This is not a license for, say, in a marriage for one person just to say, no, you need to um, obey me, you, you know, you, uh, this is not licensed to allow, look, to be blunt to an abuser or to, sorry, I should say this carefully, and I'm not really. To be blunt, this is not licensed for someone who is vulnerable being abused to remain in that situation. This is not licensed for that. This is not, what Jesus, this is not the situation Jesus is talking about. And he's not talking about random offenses. If someone, um, you know, mugs me, it's not talking about that kind of situation where I go, okay, what's my contrib- you know, self-reflection? What he's talking about is, is a brother or sister having a conflict. This is the situation Jesus is talking about. So when we are wronged, how can we be restored? How can we be restored? And then Jesus gives an answer. He says, get the log out of your own eye. Have personal responsibility. Have personal accountability. Make sure you're judging others by the same standard you would judge yourselves. Have personal humility. Am I engaging with my brother or sister as a brother or sister or as someone inferior to me? 
and address the idols in our hearts? Where are des- what, are, what are the desires that are, being, are not being met in this situation? And this is where the gospel becomes real for us. This is where the rubber hits the road with what Jesus has done for us, where the gospel actually comes and helps us in day-to-day life. Because in Jesus, we have everything we desire. We have everything that we need. The very next passage talks about, um, is a very famous passage about asking, seeking, knocking. And it talks about a a father who gives good gifts to his children. You know, how much more, you know, if... If a son asks for bread, of course we're going to give him bread. We're not going to give him a stone. We're not going to give our own children something that would hurt them or harm them. How much more does our God in heaven give us what we need, give us what is for our good? And so where are we seeking for our desires to be met? Where are we seeking for fulfillment? Where are we seeking for our identity? Is it in status? Is it in power? Is it in wealth? Is it in possessions? Is it, is it in whatever we're trying to protect and fight for in a conflict? Or is it in God, our Father in heaven, who gives us whatever we might ask for? Now, in the context of this passage, uh, is, is Jesus talking about, you know, ask for a Lamborghini, you'll get a Lamborghini. No, of course not. We all know that. But this comes at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is talking about having a transformed heart. And he talks about having, storing treasures in heaven. He talks about uh, uh, transforming our heart and our attitudes and our behavior. He talks about getting the log out of our own eye. He talks about having a humble attitude. And if we ask God, to grow those things in us, in ourselves. If we seek for those things, if we seek treasures in heaven, if we knock on God's door to say, are you there? The answer is yes. The answer is he will give what we're asking for. We will find what we seek. God is there for us. And the very last verse um, of our passage today, another very well-known verse, kind of summarizes this part of the sermon. The, the sermon from uh, 5 verse 19 through to 7 verse 12. Uh, how, how do we live a disciple, as a disciple of Jesus? Do unto others as you have them do unto you. This is the law and the prophets. Now, note this is not the fulfillment of the law. It's not the fulfillment of the law. And many people, people, particularly people outside the church, the general approach and impression of Christianity, if it's not a terrible, horrible thing, if they're generally positive towards Christianity, this is the impression of what Christianity is all about. It's about being a good person. It's about doing unto others as you have them do unto you. I don't know if you've seen the, the, the movie, The Book of Eli. Has anyone seen that, Book of Eli? It's a bit violent, so good that no one wrote their hand. Well done. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't judge you if you've watched it. 
But it's this guy who's like memorized the whole Bible and it's this post-apocalyptic thing and, and there's no more books anywhere and he's memorized the Bible and it's this whole journey of him getting to the space where he can transcribe it. And, and at, at one point he summarizes, like what's the whole point of the Bible? And he says, it's do unto others as you have them do unto you. That's wrong. The whole point of the Bible is Jesus. The fulfillment of the law and the prophets is Jesus. The outworking of that is how we treat other people. The reflection of a transformed heart is how we treat other people. And this is, this is what we all want. We all want a world where everyone does unto others as they would have them do unto themselves. We want everyone else to behave like that. But it starts with me. It starts with me. Change starts with me. Not Nick Van Ruth me, you me. I've actually got it written up here. So let's all say this together just so it's really clear. The change starts in me. Let's go to the next slide to really clarify this. It's Christ in us. Let's read this together. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. We are transformed disciples. If we believe in Jesus, he has come into us. We've died with him. We've been crucified with him. It's our life is not our own. But Christ lives in us. And that transforms us from the inside out. Transforms our ethics, transforms our ambition, transforms how we handle conflict. Because we don't need to fight for our own desires. We don't need to fight for what we demand. We have everything in Christ. And to finish up, I've got two things to finish. But the first thing to finish up, I want to read Philippians 2, uh, which is a very powerful um, passage where Paul, writing to the Philippians, like what his desire for the church is, his heart's desire. I think it kind of really um, summarizes and, and gives this meat really well. So I don't have on the screen, but you can listen. Uh, Paul says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, consider others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests or desires, but each of you to the interests of others. What we're going to do is uh, I've, I've introduced um, once a month or about once a month uh, a corporate confession in our community. I think that's necessary to help guide us as a community in personal accountability, personal responsibility, personal humility. And we're going to have a minute for personal reflection. And then we're going to uh, read this confession together. Knowing and admitting that all of us 
have sinned. All of us have mess to deal with. But all of us are forgiven through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and his life uh, resurrected. So we'll give a minute and then we'll read the confession together. All right, let's stand and we'll read this together. Heavenly Father, you have loved us with an everlasting love, for we have gone our own ways and broken your commandments. We are sorry for our sins and turn away from them. For the sake of your Son who died for us, forgive us. Cleanse us and change us. By your Holy Spirit, enable us to live for you and to please you more and more. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I'll invite the band up and uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, some deep stuff we've covered, some tough stuff, but Lord, we thank you that you are living God and your word is living and active and it cuts to our hearts. It's not just superficial stuff we're talking about here, but real stuff, real stuff. And Lord, we pray that we would uh, not just hear this, but actually listen and obey, that you would grow in us personal accountability, personal responsibility, personal humility, and that wouldn't come from ourselves, Lord, let it come from Christ in us. That it comes from being transformed. It comes from being forgiven. It comes from being freed from our sin and our guilt and our shame. And Lord, we thank you that you are a God who gives good gifts to your children. And Lord, we pray that we would seek to have our desires met in you and you alone. And Lord, as we come to you and confess our sin, uh, we, we pray that you would forgive us, that you would change us and transform us. And as we reflect on this, I want to read from 1 Peter 2. To this you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. 
Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins on his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For we all were like sheep going astray. But now you've returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.